Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works, or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is the wonderful Jack Doherty. Hello. Hello. How are you? Guys, tremendously well. You, yeah, pretty good. It's nice pretty to have you top. on. Well, it's nice to be here. We've, we've planned this for in, ages in Pod Empire. We have been talking about this for a while, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, and now you've had lots of guests, and they've done all the stuff. No, you're so, left over. Yeah, what you've chosen is still <laughs> is there. a Shetland uh, accordionist <laughs> that was hugely influential. <laughs> Wait, but you kept sending lovely little uh, emails and things and pictures. So yeah, been, looking forward to it. It's been about a year of you sending little messages through. So uh, yeah. still waiting to come on and do it because it's been, it's such a lovely idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're one of our... I suppose we, you're kind of in our comedy hero list, really, because... We, Please proceed. We, I will <laughs> just go on. for half an hour now. I know Lay we, it on. I know we've... Uh, you know this because we, you've known this since we first met you, but yeah. absolutely was one of the three biggest influences on us when we were young, yeah. aspiring good, writers. Good. Yeah, yeah, great. So you were, pro- you were probably the right age. Were you teenagers? When yeah. The, yeah, probably so so. Late, teenagers. late teenagers, which when, is kind of when, yeah. When did it start? 88? 89. Yeah. So we'd have been 17 yeah. or 18 around then. Yeah. yeah, that's when comedy really gets you. Yeah, it? yeah, it, is, it goes it? in deep. And yeah. it becomes you yours. still love it, and it becomes yours, exactly. There's a lot of ownership with it. In fact, someone asked us yeah. at an event recently, they said, what would we bring on Rule of Three? And we went, well, a lot yeah. of the stuff we would bring on has been done. People yeah. have done Brian Laurie and Monty Python. I said, the one that no yeah. one's brought on yet is absolutely, which is probably if yeah. we flip the, the table around, I'd probably come on and bring that, because okay. it was hugely important. Well, give it time. Maybe of course, <laughs> you've brought it on, haven't you? I've brought it on. Yeah, it's like <laughs> my own work. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> I couldn't do that with absolutely, because, of course, the things you do yourself, you never, you don't watch again. So I'm yeah. actually very ignorant about absolutely and people still come up to me who really love it and will say things and I don't know a guy came up to me in a pub recently and just went I, I hope you have sufficient underpants <laughs> and I'm assuming that's a line from somewhere it sounds like it might be a Mr Nice unless thing. possibly unless possibly he was just yeah <laughs> unless I'm beginning to look that old <laughs> You've got me concerned now that maybe this isn't a line from Sufficient Underpants. I don't remember that line. Are you not going to know four seasons worth of... Well, I thought I knew it pretty well. (laughs) I can still quote chunks of it. It's very hard, I think, for fans to understand very often that if you make stuff, it's just more stuff. It's work, and you throw it away. You're better at archiving than I am, but I throw scripts away thinking, hang on, if I find out that... I mean, I'm not comparing myself. If I find out that Terry 
Jones had done that, I'd be really annoyed. Yeah, yeah. I've worked on stuff yeah. with really good people and then thrown... Oh. It's just work. It goes in the bin. Yeah, yeah. And Terry Jones has kept a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's a good I know because there is... Yeah. Like, I know someone who was in touch with him and went through it. Yeah, there's always one there. Pete, Pete's the archivist for, for us. He's, is he? You go to his place, he's got everything. Bill the other Weinberg. weird thing is when you meet someone that you really love and, they, and it turns out they know what you've done and oh they God. want to talk about... And I actually met Joe Strummer. From the Clash, who oh, was an wow. absolutely fan, and he wanted to talk about Stony Bridge and stuff. I was, I was just going, "This is insane! This is, I, you know, I think we should just move on to London Calling, maybe slightly more influential." But it's just so, it's so thrilling when that happens. Particularly if it's someone you really love. It's there's a, there's one, a possibly apocryphal story about I think Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant going round to meet David Bowie for the first time, yeah, yeah. and him insisting on doing the dance, and they just wanted to talk about <laughs> yeah. like Ziggy Stardust, and he was just wanted to talk about The Office, and was just a huge, he was a big comedy yeah, fan. Yeah, big comedy fan. Yeah. How is it that, that absolutely was like the first? Is it the first? Three series were all fifty-minute episodes, weren't they? It was long. It was, they, it was yeah, to, they were four. Breathe. Yeah, they were forty-five minutes. Definitely the first season. I'm pretty sure it went down to half an hour a second, but maybe, maybe not. But certainly, third and fourth were half an hour. Uh, they, I don't know. It must have been a slot thing, or also, I think they just they were slightly more experimental back then, and they went just went, oh, let's try this out. Let's yeah. see if you can do a seven-minute sketch, which is quite good for us. So we would do big long. I remember in the pilot or. the Maybe the second show, Murray and I doing a really long thing about a funeral and, and weird kind of... Yes. With a hearse on a yes. roller skate. Yeah. And burying I, someone's oh, leg. It was Gordon Kennedy burying, burying his leg. Uh, maybe that's, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. But it did go on, yeah. So some of them were definitely too long. But it was jazz, um, jazz comedy. But yeah, jazz comedy. And actually, I like that. The old, you know, I would watch the Python stuff or the Milligan stuff and you'd be going, yeah, this is okay... Four minutes in, and then six minutes. Oh, hang on! Yeah, <laughs> it's getting yeah. getting funny again. Um, you know, I mean, it had, it the, had the space to pain. do. Yeah, space to do things again. Not people always talk about this with sketch comedy. They go, well, "Why can't you just do the hits?" When there's the best of Python on, you go, "Well, the point with Python is that some yeah. of it doesn't work." And when you're writing, you don't know which bits are going to work yeah. and which bits aren't. Yeah. So you have to have the space to do all of it. Yeah, completely. And, and again, we set out initially not to ever repeat, not to do recurring yeah. characters. And then, of course, you're doing it in front of a live audience and they like a character and you think, yeah, oh, well, OK, maybe, we'll, maybe we will return this character. And then, so it became a bit more conventional. By the, certainly by the fourth series, a little bit more of a conventional sketch show with, you know, set up punchline re- recurring characters. But yeah, it was, it was certainly more jazzy yeah. first season. Yeah. And there's also, the, the, it gave space for things like the music and stuff, which yeah, again yeah, gave yeah. it a tone that lots of other, sh- every show has got its own thing, like yeah. Gillian's Animations or whatever. Yeah, and absolutely, yeah. definitely with the fact that Pete could do music. Yeah, yeah, and he was kind of very individualistic, Pete. You know, it wasn't it wasn't just a parody of, it was weird thoughts. Quite influenced by the fellow we will eventually be talking about. Well, yeah. You know, that. Uh, yeah, he just had a little worldview, Pete, that, <laughs> you know, was slightly <laughs> to the left. Yeah, well, that's, that's the first thing I thought of when I was trying to connect the two. You, uh, mm. do, do, actually, well, let's just talk. Mm. Let's, let's say who we've, who, who we've brought yeah. on. Uh, we brought Ivor Cutler, and particularly Ivor Cutler's um, album uh, from 1975, I think, Velvet Donkey. <laughs> um, which, there you go. <laughs> which was part of the classic mid-70s triptych of Dandruff, uh, Velvet Donkey and Jammy Smears. Go and sit upon the grass and I shall come and sit beside you. Go and sit upon the grass and I shall come and sit beside you. Then we shall talk. While we talk I'll hit your head with a nail to make you understand me. It's very influential to all Scots people. I don't know, was I ever, I presume he was on John Peel and, you know, obviously Paul McCartney liked him a lot, all that kind of stuff. Um, so he wasn't particularly, I think people did. Did you know, were you aware of him when you oh, were yeah, growing up? Yeah, yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. He's someone yeah. that I think I grew up knowing of yeah. and not knowing his stuff very well. And then people who were into him, there's kind of a cool, he's a yeah. cult artist. And you're, if you're into him, it's got the kudos of being into a sort of obscure band or something. Yeah, definitely. The whole Peel thing, you know, but the fact that he was part of that 60s that McCartney kind of spotted him. Yeah. And suddenly he's in, um, you know, the Magical Mystery Tour. He's yes. probably the most. Fa- if if you don't know Ivercutler, yeah. he's the bus driver. He's Buster Blood he's Vessel. He's Buster Blood Vessel. It's it, not bad. It wasn't invented by bad manners. That name. There no. you go, Buster Blood Vessel. Yeah, he's uh, and he falls in love with Aunt Jessie. Ringo's Aunt Jessie. Ringo's mm. Aunt Jessie. Correct. And, and gets, I worked with Jane Asher. 
and really? um, yeah, on um, old guys, you know, Sam and yeah, Jesse yeah. and Simon oh, Blackwell's. Yeah. And and the great thing about Jane Asher is that she, she, I think someone told me she's the only person that was involved in that world, the Beatles world, that hasn't written a book about it. That oh. Every single other person, right down to Andy Peebles, has written a book about you know, but she hasn't. And so you know, when you're working with it, you can't talk about anything to do with it. You just get that sense, and you, of course you're having dinner and you're desperate to go. So come on, the Maharaja. <laughs> let's you're you went out with Paul McCartney. Let's hear all the stories, and you can't ask. No, and she doesn't offer them. But she, oh, I, I mentioned Ivor Cutler because we used the Ivor Cutler song. I'm happy as the theme song for the old guys, Sam and oh, Jesse. Of course, yes, of course. Because yeah, Jesse yeah. Armstrong loves Ivor Color, so it all it all ties up. And she just went, hmm, odd man. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and I knew there was a whole there's a whole world behind that. And I just wow. don't I don't know that obviously he was just about there for. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. And I punch the man who says I'm not. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. And I punch the man who says I'm not. I'm happy, I'm happy. Punch. I found an anecdote I hadn't heard about Ivor Cutler this morning. His connection with the Beatles, he, you can hear actually once you've sort of, once you realise that the Beatles liked him. Yeah. And you go, well, hang on, there's a, an absurdism connection via the goons and Edward Lear. Yeah, yeah. And Lennon and McCartney were really into And you could see that there's yeah. a connection there. He's quite big in the late 50s, early 60s when they're getting into stuff. But I didn't realise that they asked him to be a tutor to their kids. Yeah. yeah. The Beatles said the ideal person to teach Because <laughs> yeah. Ivor Cutler had been a, a Glasgow school teacher. And worked at Summerhill, the, Summerhill. Big, the free yeah. kind of school where you just, you know, could do what you want and learn what you want on your own time. And the children came to the staff meetings and decided what they could, couldn't do and all that kind of stuff that horrified the, you know, the generation of parents before that. Um, and I don't know how it worked, but, you know, he was he was there and he taught on and off over many years, I think. I read in, uh, I think, the Telegraph in uh, obituary that he was teaching when he came to London. Mm. He would teach uh, drama, I think, and some parents raised their eyebrows at the uh, exercise he did with some very young children of getting them to improvise killing one of their siblings. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that he tried to do yes. when he was three. Yeah, yeah. He attacked he... his younger brother with a poker. <laughs> yeah, he talks about that a lot in the stuff that I read, that he just was... I mean, I think every every child gets that, you know, that they hate the, the, new, the new kid on the block, the, the rival. Yeah. yeah, or yeah. the mother's love, but he seems to have taken it to quite extreme <laughs> levels. But a three-year-old attacking someone yeah. with a poker—that's that's quite a vivid image, isn't it? Yeah, completely. But you don't that whole world that goes on. I was talking to my kids recently, so I've got my my stepson was five years older than my first son, and then I had twins five years later. So there was a ten-year gap between my you know the ten-year-old and the twins. And then the twins were saying to me the other day, "Oh yeah, Jack, we, we used to get the ferry to um, that island in Greece, and uh, yeah, Jack used to pick us up and dangle us over the side of the ferry." How did you go? What? <laughs> because he loved scaring us. <laughs> I go for fuck's sake! But yeah, and you go. That's you know. That's the whole world of kids. You can escape your parents. Yeah, you are constantly. Under You're the constantly influence. there. Yeah, but it's interesting in Ivor's work that it's mainly going upwards. You really feel the threat of parents. Yeah. throughout. I think a lot of his stuff particularly in life in a Scotch sitting yes. room. Yeah, all of those little things that they have that kind of ominous threat of. Of authority, you know, of misused authority, yes. you know, which is just terrifying when you're a child because there's nothing. I mean, he's acting some of them. The one where I forget which volume of Life in a Scotch Sitting Room it is, but where he's questioned by his father what he does with his hands at night. We stood with our backs against the table. What do you do with your hands in bed? Asked Grandpa with a stern smile. Don't look at one another, he added. Just answer my question and stop squirming about. Innocence brought blushes through our cheeks. What sin had we been committing? For sure we had been sinning. Such questions are not casual. You, Ivor. And he pulled me forward by the chin and forced my green eyes up to his. I wet myself. Nothing, I choked through my tears, feeling warm wet on my legs. And, and the, uh, Ivor's voice when he's doing it, I don't know. I, you could yeah. feel the panic of this massive guy standing over you. And that, I think, particularly, I guess it's everybody, but particularly where I grew up in, in Scotland, there was that thing that we always talked about, that the authority just, and you see it in Ivor, is that it's the done thing. That was the only, that was the only information you ever given. Why can't I do this? Because it's not the done thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there's a code was, of behaviour. There's a code of behaviour. So who's in charge of the done thing? Who's... Is there yeah. a committee that decides on 
the done thingness of things. And I, even at five, I couldn't, I couldn't come to terms with it. I couldn't work out why that was the done thing and that wasn't the done thing. And you could do that and you couldn't do that. And you, I think you hear that a lot, the fear of authority. He's got an amazing his duality in that he was quite old when he started writing poetry. He's 42, 43 yeah. when he starts. And he's like a, a grown-up child. Completely. And he's yeah. got a child's eye. And you can feel he's a small man. He's often, when he's yeah. even filmed, he's filmed dwarfed by things. He's got big harmonium and things. Yeah. He looks like a little kid who's been asked to perform for auntie at the, in, the, in the front room. Yeah, yeah. And he's got that, that sort of tremulousness <laughs> about him. That, but you go, well, he's yeah. an old man with yeah. the eyes of a child, which is basically psychedelia, is that? It's the eyes of a child. He comes completely, completely. from that. Again, he's Alice, dwarfed by yeah. big things. He's got a real, there's a sort of Victorianness to him because he's, yeah. he's an Edwardian baby. Yeah, Edward, yeah. But weirdly, exactly. part of the counterculture. And there's all of that yeah. in Sid Barrett and in Robert Port, Wyatt and things. Yeah, it, it, who covered one of his songs. Yeah, and Robert Wyatt did and, go and yeah. sit upon the grass. Yeah, and, and yeah. got Ivor uh, uh, Cutler to be on Rock Bottom. And he does two yeah, songs of on Rock course, Bottom. Well, yes, there's a right. total crossover with, with yeah. prog rock, which obviously then feels into why John yeah. Peel. John Peel said of him, he's one of the few artists who's been on Radio 1, Radio 2, yes. Radio 3, and Radio 4. And there's that feeling of him, he, he can. Yeah. Escape. He's not. He's not categorisable even by the BBC, yeah. who understand the dumb thing. Yeah. They are the dumb. They the absolutely. Dumb thing. Well, because he's not the dumb thing, you can put him anywhere. You yeah. can exactly. He's this free, free range, and you're right about the whole thing from Edwardian to psychedelia, and that's where he sits. And the child thing is so. Yeah. Like because I rediscovered him. I mean, he was mainly you know me and Pete and Murray would you know go come back from the pub and. In those days when you just got, you know, no kids and you got, you can do whatever you want. You go to the pub, you come back and you get stoned and listen to stuff. And, yeah. you know, and of course, Velvet Donkey was one of them. And then you kind of move away from it. But I, I played it to my toddler, so this was years ago. Because of exactly that, I think you're right that what he does is we all think like Ivor Cutler when we're toddlers. Because yes. we're trying to work out, how does that work how does the, yeah. the the song about the grass grows up to meet the air coming down yeah and that's a very good idea otherwise when you cut the grass the air has to go a bit further and you kind of go <laughs> well yeah of course and i would play that to my kids and they would just as toddler they wouldn't laugh they would just sit there and going yeah yeah that's actually yes, that's actually correct that's research that's, this is a document <laughs> thanks for playing with this documentary dad <laughs> Grass springs up to meet the air coming down And that's a good idea For if the grass laid low The air would have to come down the extra amount And they, and when my kids first said to me, turn the dark off Which apparently oh. is a common thing with kids My son would go, turn the dark off rather than put the light on Oh, right. wow. And you go, yeah, Whoa. that's and that's a Cutler-esque yep. Yep. thing because it's just a literal, this is what I want. I yes. don't want that dark to turn it off. And so, and then eventually we get to find, we, we, we all understand why the grass, although I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, that still seems a perfectly reasonable <laughs> reason to let the grass grow, save the air, the extra effort of, <laughs> of going a little bit further down. But no, we begin to understand, ah, that, okay, physics and maths and English and that's why, but I were could still access that. Yeah. And I like that in comedy. I think Marwenna Banks from Absolutely is also oh, like that. Yeah, can yeah, just little, yeah, access yeah, straight that. Monologues. Exactly, again, very colorist. Yes! I do know how people got in the world. Because <laughs> one day in the night, God was looking under a big stone and he was looking for a potato for to have for his lunch. Because in the olden days, they didn't have any sandwiches or crips or a sausage. And Pete's very cutler-esque, and I think the Nice family, yeah. I didn't realise quite how cutler-esque they were until I, I realised yeah. I shall speak to the authorities on the matter directly on our behooves. <laughs> Hello, is that the authorities? Hello. I'm a father, and I'm phoning on behalf of myself, a father, and my entire family who are a family. I am seeking your assurance that this evening's television drama play is entirely suitable for family viewing. I see. I see. Thank you very much indeed, the authorities. <laughs> family. We're in the clear! We're out! You know, I was um, making the link between uh, Scotch Sitting Room and the Nice Family, and also completely. the Scotch Sitting Room and Stony Bridge. The exaggerated yes. Scottish. Yeah, yeah, the exaggerated Which obviously only you can do if you are Scottish, because yeah, yeah. it's basically quite a, abusive. But. <laughs> yeah, but fine. It's okay. We don't mind. Do I have to wear this beard? Oh, make it. We've been through this before. It's traditional. Anyway, you look very handsome. Well, I don't want to be a wet blanket, but don't you think we might be overreaching ourselves a wee bit with this Olympic bid? Oh, Maigret, What would you have us bid for, Maigret? Well, what about the World Cup? 
What about the Commonwealth Games? They're crap. <laughs> we still we still say migrate to each other. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Migrate. But you can again the apocryphal story, you can't have why weren't all the old Scottish shows shown networked? And the BBC executive said, well, it'd just be a bit, oh, it'd be like having six man wells. <laughs> Which, again, I don't know. I'm sure it's not true. But the idea, you can't have six Scottish accents on a show. On, uh, on his, on his yeah. child's eye thing, by the way, I found a lovely line from him in an interview when he said, those yeah. who come to my gigs probably see life as a child would. It's those who have been busy making themselves into grown-ups, avoiding being a child. They're the ones who don't enjoy it. Well, there you go. I believe in bugs I truly believe in bugs If you come round to my restaurant at half past four You can see the little buggies walking round on the floor singing I believe in bugs There are admission terms to getting Ivor Cutler It's got what most cult art has got Which it says, well you're joining a club Yeah, yeah And there was a a lovely phrase I read a very nice interview or a a review a a retrospective Ivor Cutler in in Freeze which is an art magazine there was a lovely quote from a guy called Sam Riley who's a journalist Samuel Riley he says "Uh, listening to Ivor Cutler is a little bit like being let in on a secret that you're not immediately convinced is worth knowing (laughs) (laughs) and it's that it's the first time you go am I I wasting my time yes (laughs) because they're not conventional joke shapes no no but weirdly, because they're not conventional joke shapes, you can listen to them again and again. Yeah, yeah. They're a little it's not set-up gang. But, and also it has that whimsy, which, again, as you were saying, the 60s thing, can, the Barrett, the, the, yeah. the leeriness, you know, and sometimes you go, oh, hang on, that's, no, <laughs> that's just too... Yeah. That's just too silly, that's too... I mean, Pete, again, it depends where your taste lies. Like, I, I you know, I, I ain't got no common sense, and mm. neither does anybody. Essel, rather than... And every time... Pete hears that he still he still laughs. <laughs> so I got no common sense, and neither has nobody Essel. I spread my brains out on the table and hook them about with a fork. So I got no common sense. <laughs> and because he just can't say else, and you think you know, great, no, you he, can't get away is, with he, is he reading out his own typo? Well, I mean, it's yeah, just great, I know, it's it? so great. Yeah, he's all, yeah. Well, you didn't you did that's that's what um, Paul King calls a free laugh. Yeah, a free laugh there. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, you yeah don't, exactly. Have to do anything to earn that one. Yeah, and he, does, the, he does occasionally do conventional joke shows. Yeah, so it's yeah. a nice line. It took me a long yeah. while to find it because I remember this from years back. Yeah. But it's from Large A Puffy. Oh. And the line is, I leapt up beside her, but only for a moment, for she was beside herself and there was no room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But you, you quoted that a lot. That's and... always been one of our favourite Ivor Cutler jokes. Yeah. And I hadn't, I had Large A Puffy. Weirdly, Ivor Cutler used to come into my shop. I used to work in a bookshop ah, okay. in Victoria. He? he used to come in a lot and he was regarded by the younger members of staff there and by people like the... the, the Danish members, people who didn't come from yeah. the British cultures. There's that weird old man again. Yeah. And he'd come and be very, very quiet and very gentle man. And he'd give stickers out. And you'd suddenly see one yeah. of the assistants would have on their, their, their name badge, would have a little sticker from over cut. And he used yeah. to come in and give his books out. And in the end, we couldn't return them or anything. And when the shop closed down, I ended up taking up loads of them home. I took large at Puffy home and it used to be yeah. in the toilet. It's, yeah. a, it's a good toilet. It's book. a very good toilet. And weirdly, I remembered that line. I remembered it being really funny. So yeah. I looked for it in Large at Puffy and I found the rest of the poem. And I read it this morning. The thing that really struck me, because he is funny, and I think of him as yeah. a funny poet in a John Hegley yeah. kind of way, yeah, yeah. was the, the beginning of that poem made me cry this morning. It's <laughs> oh, so wow. beautiful. It starts, yeah. It's called Creamy Bumpkins. And the, uh, this is, I'm yeah. going to cry reading this. <laughs> it goes, When the land tilts, run north. Leave the family. You are the important one. The dreamer. The world needs its dreamers. Heads like creamy pumpkins, quiet skin, eyes that swivel round like smoke, like turquoise, like bulby grapes, seeing where others face an empty flat wall. And I thought that's the yeah, biggest whoa. call to like crazy wild eyed creatives from boring middle class families. <laughs> yeah. That's punk. Yeah. That's yeah. saying you're don't forget that your dad may have worked in a bank, but you're yeah. bigger and better than that. And I think there's something in Over Cutler that just calls out, like John Peel did for yeah. most of the stuff he was championing, saying you're in a boring suburban town, but yeah. be nuts. Be this guy gives you permission, yeah, to go and be absolutely to go and work in comedy or music or something mad. Completely to escape from yeah. the, from the Scotch sitting room. Which yes, is, yes, you know, which is that oppressive 
thing of, and again, it comes back to Mr. Nice that I think there's a line in one of the Scotch city rooms where suddenly, the, what shall we play today? It's actually it's a thing about going to the beach, but they don't go That's to the right. beach. Oh, yeah, so they take the sand out of the cupboard. They take a grain of sand. They take a grain of sand. They get three grains of sand and juggle them. And juggle them, yeah. Put them in sand. And the girls put, the mother puts salt on the girls' lips, and then the girls have to blow on the boys so that it feels like the salt spray and stuff. And they make the sound of the waves. But I think, oh no, actually, it's a different one when they're going out for a walk where all the children stand up from their positions. <laughs> it's just, and it's just that, it's the precision of positions and you just go, yeah, they've just been sitting there <laughs> for hours, but, waiting again for permission to go was, somewhere and do something. That, I think you were talking know. about absolutely coming along for us aged 17, 18. And I've said this about Fry and Laurie, that it was the one yeah. thing that I went, because it had that sense of escape from middle-class conformity. Yeah, the idea yeah. that there were partings and people in suits and all yeah, stuff that, yeah, that yeah. was rebelled against and, and set up as ludicrous and the nice family. Yeah. And you went, yeah, that's what I've grown up with. I'm middle class. I've been told yeah. to behave. There are there are accepted <laughs> ways to behave. There are accepted haircuts. Yes. And Ivor Cutler's got that. Fry and Laurie were very good at that. Company. Yeah. The nice middle class boys going, hey, let's be silly. And absolutely Absolutely. had that completely straight through from Cutler, the, the rebellion. Yeah. Rebellion against that, yeah. And I guess my dad used to, um, when he'd come to see our shows, and he would always already watch absolutely, and he'd just phone me up and go, I'm going to sue you! <laughs> I'm going to sue <laughs> I don't know, because just every, basically everything I did. You know, and you just notice it. You, was it Cleese who said, you, oh, your best comic character is the person you would have become? Yes. You would have been had you not had a sense of humour. And I think that's chilling now. Rather, yeah, exactly. And I, Ooh, just, you, know, and I, you know, as I currently in Scots would play as policeman, and I look like an authority figure, and yeah. you know that. And I think, but you, thankfully, yeah. <laughs> you spotted a very age. Hang on, authority is a silly thing. Yes. yes, let's not go down that route. Let's yeah. try and get away from that. And, and it's so very empowering. Very empowering. If you, if you yeah. discover that, as obviously Ivor Cutler had done, yeah. wanted to, obviously he's an eccentric. He, can't, yeah. he he doesn't fit in. There's that lovely story about he joined the RAF and he was oh, he was thrown out of the RAF or, or let go of the RAF because <laughs> he was for, for the quote was dreaminess. Yeah, the dreaminess. RAF actually said that on his and report. He was a navigator, wasn't he? Yeah, and he just he came back with reports. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, he literally had his head in the clouds. He came back with literally, reports about yeah. clouds. Yeah, because he was instead of planning the flight path, he was basically just staring out of the window at the clouds. It's so great. That's who he was. Yeah. And that's thing. what I love about that generation, that all of the comedians that we love were all drafted. Yeah. You know, yeah. Milligan and Harry Seacombe and, you know, Peter Ustinov with that great story where I, I wanted to drive a tank. And, you know, well, why I just, I loved the idea of going into war sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> and all these, and you think, what have they been awarded to our generation? You know, Lance Corporal Stuart Lee. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not going to affect Reeves as. But maybe we, maybe you just have to because they all did somehow. I suppose what you get with it with a war is an absolute authority. Yeah, absolute following orders and a real test of if you are a, a naturally one of one of nature's nonconformists. Uh, yeah. If you are one of those people, then then you're pushed into saying, well, I've really got to be that now. Yes. Whereas most of us. People go, would you like to work in public relations? Go, yeah, it's a fairly yeah. decent job. Is it? And <laughs> yeah, yet yeah. what I thought was really important one, from all the comedy that I loved growing up was it said, hang on, yeah, is that a good thing? I absolutely had that. Definitely, I have a cut that is reeking with that sense of going, but he was allowed. He's not starving. <laughs> yeah. I imagine he didn't make the world's most amazing no. living. And no. he used to hang around a bookshop giving stickers to Danish yeah, yeah. girls. But he was... Uh, <laughs> which I'm <laughs> sure he was... Did you, get, yeah. did you get a sticker? Did you get uh, a sticker? No, actually, he gave them to the ladies. The ladies oh, always did, did, uh, I've got another sticker you? off that man. Oh, oh yes, yeah, he liked he Maybe he had an eye for the ladies. He no, just used yeah, to walk so. around handing stickers out. Yeah, yeah, and, they also, and things like... Well, they had, going back to conventional jokes, they had, you know, things like to remove this sticker remove it or things like that you know <laughs> yeah and murray, murray met him as well and that was because he and he and murray's not as you know he's not a forward guy but he just thought there's like, i've got to go and speak to him yeah right and he was you know covered in all the little badges of all the flies he would i used to wear lots of um badges that were just flies so it looked like he was covered in flies <laughs> um <laughs> and, um, you know the little hat just totally you're know, all down there like a cow pat yeah like a cow pat basically <laughs> and they looked really they looked real and he was standing by the vegetables and nobody else was thinking well <laughs> and Murray went up to because he Murray's one of Murray's favourite one liners again the thing that Cutler does a lot it's just a little one line if your breasts are too big you will fall over unless you're wearing a rucksack those kinds of things and one was home comes the sailor home from the shops and <laughs> And that was Murray's favourite line. And again, as a slight, before I tell you what happened when Murray met Ivor, um, 
again, that's uh, what, what I think, you know, to, for me anyway, to laugh, I sort of have to be surprised. And that's a kind of great distillation of yeah. a thought that's going to surprise you. Home comes the sailor. You're, what were my expectations here? Oh, the shops, right. The rug's yeah. been pulled out from under my feet. I'm delighted. I'm surprised by that. And I laugh. Um, but talking to Murray about it, again, you take what you, your world then goes into that one line. That tiny little line will then tell you a lot about who you are. And Murray said, oh, that's so funny because I can just see the guy in his in his you know Cornish sweater with a hat and the big beard coming back from you know <laughs> c- carrying the, his Londis bag and I went yeah no for me it's an admiral <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's got the financial times and he's walking home from the shops and again that says obviously more about me and Murray and actually yeah. the, comic, the comic characters we would play but anyway I had forgotten the line so my wife, I just saw to tell you Mr. Cutler but I just want to tell you that's one of my favourite lines so comes a sailor home from the shops and he just burst out laughing and just didn't stop laughing so Murray just had to stand there whilst I was going to laugh for what he describes as at least a minute. And just going, that's the funniest, that's so funny, that's so funny. Oh, man, oh, the home comes the sailor over the shops, for the shops, the sailor's coming over the shop. Can't repeat it. And Murray just eventually had to back off and go, well, anyway, I just, I just wanted to say... It's gone too well. <laughs> it's gone too well, your own material's gone too well. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For some reason, the, the, one, the one that really made me laugh on uh, Life in a Scotch Sitting Room yeah. on uh, Velvet Donkey was the description <laughs> of the milk jugs with decent spouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. How have you got there? I know. What, what were the yeah. indecent ones? What, what were the indecent like? ones, yeah. It's but those tiny like, little details. He's very precise. They're drawings. Yeah, he's got obsessed with like decent spouts and, and decency and behaviour. Yes. And even when he's in, in Magical Mystery Tour and he's talking to the bus and he goes, I am your friendly courier. I am concerned for you. 
to enjoy yourselves within the limits of British decency. You know what I mean, don't you? Well, don't you? Yes, Mr. Blackwessel. Yeah. There's something going. There, there are limits to behaviour, yeah. and that Scott sitting room, the small room, the limits yeah. of the world, and he's constantly limits, depicting exactly. both the limits of the world and then what if you stare out the window for long enough? Yeah, the wider horizons you can see yeah. that are inside your head. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And that's my childhood. You know, of the, when I listen to them, I'm absolutely taking back to the Sunday afternoons when because I, I grew up in Edinburgh, but my dad was from Hamilton, and so we go through to visit relations in Hamilton, and you know, it was probably forty minute drive, but it's you know, you're seven. And that's the rest of your life in the car, <laughs> doing nothing to go through and sit on a really rough sofa, you know, that you you can't be comfortable. So it would be a kind of, yeah. you know, grainy thing and your short legs would be just be red from it. And then there'd be a bureau when he talks about the bureau, you know, those roll top bureaus. Yeah. When you'd open thing, there'd be something and there'd be an old walnut or something. So you just play with the walnut <laughs> and the one playing card and then listen to your parents next door talking to your grand. When is this ever going to end? The ticking and, of the yeah, clock. And I played one time, the ticking of the clock, and I played because the tennis was on. It must have been the summer, and of course it was June, tennis on, raining in Scotland, and there was two panes of glass in my grands, and I just I played an entire five-set game of tennis, depending on which raindrop hit the paint, came right. down to the bottom of the pane glass first. So it would be 15-love or 15-love, and the whole, because that was just, yeah. Wow. And that's how I passed wow. the afternoon. Studies in boredom. Studies in boredom, and he's brilliant at that. At yeah. Just how do we... And what's a treat? But, you know, and don't... You can't have crumbs on the floor, so you have to eat your crackers in the cupboard with your head in the cupboard yeah. before micturating on a sponge, you know? and then But not going, not moving your bowels because it just wasn't, again, the done thing. It just yeah. nobody ever did it. Heroes... <laughs> and we slid over the edge of his kilt. Out the cupboard came the tin lid of thrun sand, sadly depleted, and two milk jugs with decent spouts. We stood in a rough quadrant, holding forth our left hands according to custom, but I didn't mind as I was left-handed, even though my coordination was poor, owing to the myelin shortage. Grandpa moved round, placing a grain of sand on every hand. Then he started a second round, and a third, and I held the big quartz grain, almost twice the size. He spotted the envy on other faces. I bled his neb, he grunted. We went off to play. Can I ask um, a few yes. Scottish questions? Yes. Why is it Scotch and not Scottish sitting room? Yes, I don't know, because normally you would be down in that because Scotch has to be either, you know, tape or the drink. Yeah. And actually it's what annoys um, Scottish people. Yes, I thought that was the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not for either. So I'm afraid I can't answer that okay. question, why he went for Scotch. Unless, unless he's saying room. this is an outsider's Sc view, because it is exaggerated. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just the exaggerated thing. Like, oh, like how... a Scotchland yeah. joke, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. Scotchland. An yeah. outsider yeah, would, would, would depict Scotland as this boring. Yes, yeah, maybe it's a deliberate yeah, use of a word that wouldn't be... You know, acceptable yes. in Scotland, unless it was back then, but I don't think it was. And the other, the other one I want to ask about is his accent. Yes, because it sounds to me, I obviously I'm not Scottish, yeah. but I read it as him being a, quite a well-educated yeah. middle-class Scotsman. Yeah, is well, that is that how the that, accent sounds? Yeah, but it sounds more extreme. It sounds more pretty. It doesn't sound city. It sounds almost like you know, very. Gordon does him really again, and absolutely, he, oh, so, yeah. he sort of took his voice in for the guy who used to hang out, used to hang out with Glashan. Yes, the yeah, aren't, yeah, there aren't five million people in the Whittle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so and that's very Ivor Cutler that the world is the Whittled. And, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, so it's a very polite and precise middle class Glasgow. Right, it's got some archness in. Yeah, yeah it's got it. some archness, and I think it, it, he's heightening it. He turns it up for Scotch yeah, as well. He you turns can hear it up for yeah. Scotch. Yeah. All those little. Giddle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just, yeah, I'm not entirely sure uh, how he really sounded because every time I've heard him, he's been, he's been performing really. Um, you wonder about his whole life. I love it when people yeah. people like this who are eccentrics and you go, yeah. well, your whole life's a performance. 
Is it worth even saying what was he really like? Because this is apparently yeah. what he was really like. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exhausted. Yeah, you're never quite sure because of the noise of Bateman. I saw him, we all went, which turned out to be his last ever gig, actually. At oh, the, the one at the Festival Hall. Hall. Yeah, yeah Queen Elizabeth Hall. And um, so I went with Pete and Murray, and because he was the, the president of the Noise Abatement Society. And again, you go, well, to what extent is this an actor? Are you really offended by noise and so to the extent that he would go I don't, no applause I don't, it's too loud really? so yes yeah, so please I'll finish and don't applaud and everyone would go well he's joking and then because you can't help but applaud yeah of course and then he would just stand with his <laughs> with his fingers pressed into his ears as if it was wow. causing him actual pain wow and come I told you not to applaud <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone would applaud and do I was listening to some of his stuff on the train and with the harmonium, you realise he's bellowing for him over the harmonium. Oh, yeah. When the harmonium drops down, he starts yeah, telling yeah. a story. I was going, I can't hear this. I have my headphones up at full volume going, he's just yeah, whispering he's drops just... of jokes are coming through. Yeah. And he's uh, what he's doing by being quiet is making you lean forward. And you have to join him halfway yeah. for the jokes. But also yeah, he's saying, yeah. lean in, I'm not going to be shy. Yeah. It's all part of the persona of saying, join me here in my quiet Scottish sitting room. Completely. And that takes confidence as well, yeah. because I'm, a lot of performers are... <laughs> barge on quickly let's yeah. make a lot of you know noise and bells and whistles and let's get your attention you take confidence just to stand there and be very very quiet there's a quiet and sort of stillness to him yeah. I think, again he's very attractive I imagine yeah. why performers liked him because okay? you, you're aware yeah. Yeah. what is this taking to do to go up with yeah. half a joke and deliver it with 100% confidence yeah. and then go that is enough or the amount of track his albums have got 42 tracks on because some of the ideas yeah. are three four beats long Blue. and he goes I have finished if your breasts are too big, you will fall over, unless you wear a rucksack. Yeah, this is that's enough. Now, there's a feeling of, yeah. sort of haiku. Uh, I heard yeah, described this as is haiku, almost yeah, oriental. Yeah, and then it occurred to me that what's going on there, if you're talking about orientalism, all the thing about oriental art is it's to do with the white space around the words. Mm. The, yeah, the negative, the yin and yang, the negative wave within the wave. Yeah, the gaps. When you were saying, "Here comes the sailor yeah. home from the shops," yeah, that's a joke with loads of gaps in it, yeah. into which you can either put an admiral or a oil. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's white space around all these things, and there's space on the albums, there's a reel between the tracks yeah. where you think about what he's just said. Yeah. And yeah. he's confident enough to say, finish this joke for me. Yes. Which is an incredibly brave and very funny thing to do that yeah. we love as, a, as yeah. an art form. It's very and, flattering, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Do you want to Completely. join in? So yeah, come come and join. Yeah, yeah. Which sailor do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, do you? Like, you I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw one of the guys from On the Town when you said that. That's oh, all. Uh, my sailor. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So yeah. everyone does. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm so. with a guy in yeah. the rowing boat in the big jumper. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. who we are. This my, is my, who we all my are. My wife has a game which is uh, she says very. Uh, she says you have to do this really quickly, which is uh, a limousine pulls up. Who's in the back? Oh. Um, actually, it was Elton John, but then I've just apparently, seen Rocket Man. It, it, it <laughs> so tells you everything about yourself. Yeah. But mine's Meatloaf, and hers is Joan and Jackie Collins, and apparently it tells you everything about <laughs> yourself. Joan Collins. Meet Joan Collins. You're with Joan Collins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have gone for Elton, but yeah. <laughs> Meatloaf. I don't know what that says. <laughs> Joan Collins and On the Town. I'm seriously yeah. calibrating my own opinion of yeah. myself. <laughs> You've revealed something. You've yeah. revealed something, yeah. I have no idea. Of this recategorized, <laughs> even as we speak. You are 50% more fabulous than even I <laughs> yeah. expected. I didn't realise I had any fabulousness in me at all. Um, there was a nice, uh, a nice line I read... Um, uh, that he did live, I couldn't. I don't know whether it's recorded yeah. anywhere. But he said he asked the audience to consider the erotic joys of sitting in a bowl of shredded wheat. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of, of him as an eccentric and an inspirational figure as an eccentric. Again, yeah. another reason why he would attract John Peel and the Beatles. Yeah. To say just be your that sort of be yourself thing. Don't 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 think about commercial situations. Yeah. But that, he turns up on that lovely Dave Allen documentary about eccentrics that mm. you and I are obsessed by. It's a fantastic 1970s thing, Dave Allen, okay. when he met Britain's eccentrics. Yeah, yeah. And he's in there with exactly the people you'd expect him to be with, with uh, Bruce Lacey, the robot maker and things. But he's there. He described it. Someone said, well, how do you see yourself? And he said, I don't work in a way that is societally useful, but I do say things obliquely about society. Yes, I am an eccentric. No, I am not a nutter. And I love that difference of saying that an eccentric is useful and a nutter is not. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the fact that he thinks he's useful. And he's yeah. Like, yeah, you are, because yeah, you're completely. inspirational and you're being a slight angle to the universe, that lovely mm. phrase, that, that, that yes. is 
a voice that is so good to to grasp, which Morwenna was doing in her little girl monologues. Yeah. We always say that we're, when we're doing Philomena Kunk for Charlie Brooker, yeah. we always say she's a, a two-degree angle to the universe. Yeah. She sees the stairs as lots of little floors between the floors. You see them in the stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that thing, which is, again... Again, very cutler. Pure yeah, cutler. Pure cutler, yeah. And he, there's that, that line through, he gives permission to people to do something. I was trying to think about this, and I don't know if I'm... I've not got a conclusion about this. There's a sort of funny... Yeah. ..that isn't funny-funny... And it's not funny peculiar, as in it's absurd. There's yeah. between it. And it works very well for musicians, the yeah. kind of funny that Ivor Cutler is. And you can hear it in They Might Be Giants and yeah, the Bonzo yeah. Dog Doodah Band. You go, these aren't jokes. But the fact you've done a song about this pleases me enormously. Yes. Uh, Camper Van Beethoven, Take the Skinheads Bowling, is a very, very yeah. Ivor Cutler thing. And he appears to have sort of yeah, bust yeah. this line straight through into sort of saying... You have permission to do half man half biscuit. Just yeah, I was about to say half man half biscuit. Have they, there are a lot of cutlerisms in their yeah, title. Yeah. yeah, and it's all that stuff. You got he is there in sort of fifty nine to sixty doing his first albums, yeah. 50, late fifties, and you go, you're right at the start of rock and roll, and you've said it can be about this. Yeah, and I'm wondering whether they're all kids of Cutler. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's really elevated to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day I get up and pray to John. Number of clocks by exactly one. I returned a bag of groceries accidentally taking off the shelf before the expiration date. Let's not go out tonight. There's a great film on tonight about a couple on a carbon holiday. I often dream of trains when I. as I do. Yes. George Martin produced um, Ludo. Yeah, yeah, he did. So the trio. I would call the trio the only... Yes, the trio. Um, and I couldn't find any more information about this, but apparently George Martin found found his eccentricities terribly annoying in the studio. Oh, because George Martin is uh, the RAF. Well, George Martin is officer <laughs> yes. class, isn't he? So he's, again, yeah, he's, he's, the upset, admiral he's upset the, 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 he's upset yes. the officer. Yeah. He's upset the officer completely, I'm sure. Which begs the question, how did you put up with the Beatles? Well, I can't yeah, imagine. that, isn't there? You know. are, are the Beatles better behaved? They're, yeah. they're nice boys. Yes, they're maybe deep down they're, they're, they're nice boys. Even when they were tripping, maybe, you know, they yeah. just um, had a sense of decorum. Well, Ludo... But I'm sure he would have been annoying at times, Colour, if he, you know, that kind of studied... I can't imagine he's a great collaborator. Yeah. Because he's an idiosyncratic, so I imagine if you're... One of the things yeah. that the Beatles are really good at, they're good collaborators. They yeah. work with each other, they're co-songwriting and things. They're, but he's a one-man band, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, it, yeah. It's only well, him. There's loads of viola on Velvet yeah. Donkey, isn't there? Who is it? Fred, is it Fred Frith playing the viola uh, on it? Well, you would have to tell me, actually. We shall look that up, and yes. then we'll put, yeah. we'll put a ping yeah. noise if you're correct. Oh, good. Buzzer Very if you're yeah. incorrect. Excellent. Like in Excellent. Trio. And Phyllis King, of course, yes. who is given tracks uh, on all of his, but pretty they're, much. They're sort of, they're, they're, they're propping up his world. One of the scenes that's deleted from Magical Mystery Tour is him doing I'm Going in a Field. Yes. On a harmonium yes. in a field, which yeah. is wonderful. And oddly, you go, it doesn't fit in Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. Magical Mystery Tour is a, oh, God, it's a mess. Yeah, Actually, totally anything would fit in it. <laughs> but weirdly, leaving Ivor Cutler yeah. on his own doing a lovely song, yeah. which is produced by George Martins, so there's no reason it shouldn't be on there, yeah. has to hit the cutting room floor because it's yeah. too idiosyncratic to fit in a Beatles film. Yeah. And it is a great song. And it is, it's got that, yeah. it absolutely catch. That's There's the melancholy yeah. aspect of Ivor Cutler, which we haven't really. Cover, yeah, which is a lot of country, countryside stuff, just lying in a field and feeling that running your fingers through the grass, kind of staring at the sun, you know, and a yellow fly will go past that you can't see because it's yellow unless it fills its legs, its empty legs with stuff. I am a yellow fly, I fly high up the sky. You cannot see me when the sun shines, cause I am the color of the sunshine. I am the colour of the sunshine. Well, I yeah, can see everything, a, but I'm a little bit depressed. I'm a little bit low now. 
Yeah. Because of this song that you've well, sung he's got about that how beautiful melan- everything is. He's know? got a melancholy uh, voice and he's got a yeah. melancholy harmonium, which reminds you of yeah. church or church halls or, or boring Sundays. There's a real yeah. boring Sundayness about yeah, it. Completely. The essence of it. Like yeah. Moan- yeah. It's a moaning instrument. Yeah. But the melancholy, because it's offset by the jokes, yeah. um, might be uh, not underrated because you can hear it. It's soaked in melancholy. He's very sad. Yeah. The world is overwhelming. It's saturating. Yeah. It's saturating as well, and 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 disaster and tragedy will crack that world so quickly. Like phonic poem on yeah. on Velvet Donkey, bleed Bill, bleed. You know, mm. they're out in the car, and um, Dad gets a little thing on his nose, and it sounds like just a, it was a spill in the car. But you know, oh no, no, Bill's dead. Shit. Run to the phone for a nurse to make as well. I see nurse, nurse, make as well. We are ill from a spill on the road as we took a spin. Dad has a cut on his lip. It hit the wheel as he drove fast. Yeah, but then they're still taking home to number 12, Redburn Avenue. Bill is dead. He lost his blood in the crash. Kate, Anne and Ted are sad for Bill. He was their chum. Phil will walk us home along the pavement to our house, 29 Redburn Avenue. Where they live, you know? And it's <laughs> yeah, just that's like... That's almost the only polysyllables in it, are the, are the, yeah, the address the, at the end. All the rest the address. Could, it's phonics, isn't it? Phonics, it's phonics, it is phonics, yeah. to teach as a teacher. Yeah, exactly, and, and the, it just the, runs through. And... That's the essence of the done thing yeah. in the 60s, is to teach by phonics. And it's, it's, that's an odd thing to listen to now, because the only memory we've got of that kind of thing is probably Peter and Jane and Ladybird books, that sort of yes. C-spot run kind of thing. And he's done yeah. a whole yeah. tragic... Gothic. Tragic. Child, dead, dead child, leading to death in a car crash. In that form. From 11, yeah. And again, it just it just cracks the pain very quickly. Again, it's a child's voice. And those limitations. Yeah. And you can feel the emotion cracking through the coldness of single yeah. sounds used to teach children yeah. to read. Very clever. Yeah, very clever, yeah. And then just speeding up. And he would speed up a lot. And other things, non-phonic stuff, he would mm. just... You know, this doesn't quite fit. So I'll just say it very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OK, it's fine. Yeah, we don't mind. It's just well, he's under, speed he's, up. It's better to do with rhythm and you're playing with yeah, rhythm, which yeah, is the, 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 the tool you have if you're if yeah, you're right. Again, which Pete again does a lot of in his music. You know, there's loads of those absolutely songs. The the, the wearing a suit is an yeah, incredibly yeah. hard cut. Stop wearing a suit. And people will start to take you more seriously. Start wearing a suit, and you'll gain respect from your community. I was delighted to listen to this because I had, when you suggested yeah. I have a cut that I went oh I get I was going to go Scotch City Room I kind of got the, yeah. there was going to be yeah. that and listening to it through, I didn't realise quite how much because Pete's flavour in absolutely was one I yeah. couldn't quite nail. Yeah. We said this to uh, Josh Weinstein about uh, The Simpsons. There's a flavour in it we couldn't nail. And he went, oh, it's Second City TV. And I went, oh, oh, of course okay. it is. Is that oh, that's right. the missing okay. bit I couldn't play. And I was saying, where, I could never work out where Pete's songs had come from. Yeah. And then listening to this and a binge, and I went, oh, God, it's just completely. <laughs> yeah. So did you? Who, who was the first out of your gang to get into Ivor Cutler? It's, it, I think it would be Pete. Right. Um, actually, because he, he, Pete was the one who introduced me to Ivor. Um, so I was, I know it's hard to believe now, uh, but I, so I was five years younger than those guys. So we met at school. So I was in first year when Murray and Pete were in sixth year. Oh, right. And, and I've never quite got over that, that they're the big boys at school. <laughs> <laughs> so forget, you know, that Murray had a moustache. <laughs> how, how was that even possible? <laughs> you know, I was 13 and there was a man I was speaking to who had hair guys. But then, obviously, I didn't, I didn't hang out with them when I was 13. But when I became 18, then I started hanging out with them. Yeah, so Pete was the man who introduced me to all of that, you know, all that kind of comedy and drugs, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Not sex. Um, yeah, so he was the, he was the guy who was the, the big Ivor man. And I think he got it from his dad, Jim Bakey, the Jim Bakey right. big band. Um, so his dad was a jazz musician. Uh, and would have known, you know, knew everybody. So he'd be one of these guys when someone would come into town, you know, Jim could end up playing with them. You know, George Melly would turn up. And wow. Jim Bakey would play. And uh, as, lo- as well as having his own band. So I think Pete got it from Jim. But he's got it passed down from his dad, which is obviously the, his dad's a jazzer, so therefore sort of yeah, non-conformist. It, that kind of. Exactly. But for you, this voice arriving, you come from a very different background. My dad was the bank manager uh, of the Royal Bank of Scotland. Um, yeah, and he was very much 
um, uh, in that world of the done thing, and he was, you know, apart from wanting to sue me, my dad, about <laughs> just um, using his life um, because he is Mister Nice. He's, he's he's George from Don and George and all that kind of stuff. But he was a guy who spent his entire life waiting to not do the job that he was doing. That the job you do is just to earn money to raise these children ungrateful that you had, children. yeah, to raise ungrateful children. Like a living taking the piss out of you. I mean, he actually had a great sense of humour, actually, but it was hidden behind this thing. And again, you never quite knew, because I did ask him one point, everybody, you know, what what would you do if, uh, you know, if you had your life all over again, what, what would, you, would you change anything? And he did just pause and go, probably wouldn't have children. <laughs> Which, you know, was a joke, but behind that joke, you're thinking, "Hang on, Dad, is it actually?" You know, yeah. he's thinking that was that was really more trouble than it was worth. Yeah. Um, so again, that's a real colour thing. That there's, there's these small people living in your house that just don't do what you don't behave in the way that you want them to behave, and they, and they clutter things up and all that kind of. But anyway, so he spent his whole life waiting to retire, and on the day he retired, I went round to see him, and he and he slowly un, he pulled out one little triangular corner of his shirt from his slacks. And let it drop and went, it doesn't bloody matter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's 40 years waiting to just let your hair down. And <laughs> the pressure is <laughs> the, the pressure. I will remove a triangle of my shot. So, yeah, so Pete, you're right. He came from a much more uh, liberal, jazzy background. And me and Murray in particular, Murray's dad was, was the same kind of, kind of chap. Yeah. Insurance, though, was his thing. So, again, Murray was rebelling against that kind of, you know, you must go into the sausage um, machine of, yeah. of law and accountancy and whatever else, you know, particularly if you're a you know, middle-class school as we were, and that's what you do. But you, um, yeah, I think the very first um, piece of journalism that was ever written about us when we were first doing The Fringe, or maybe it was when we were first doing Amsterdam, I can't remember, and someone wrote, they, they have the sense of escape. They just have this the, the glee of escape about them. Yes. And I think that's, you never quite get over that. You kind of go, oh, my God, I've got away with it. I've got, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. out. We're, it's the, it's yeah. escape at Danamora, and, but we're not with the idiot. We're going to just keep going. We're going to get to Canada. Yeah. You know, we're out of this world. Um, like whilst the world that you are escaped to is fraught with danger and no security and it's horrendous yeah. at times yeah. and there's years when you don't get work and all that, it's still... Great to get out, you know. I think, I think when you're in that, that position, I talk about this a lot, when you're in that position where you were brought up to make money, to be yeah. well-behaved, to uh, there are terrible consequences to you not doing the done thing. You're not, yes. You don't come from inherited wealth or anything. You're yeah, going yeah. To, if your parents are naturally worried that if you don't do the done thing, you will be homeless or starve. Yes. And it's a very, very hard thing to keep aiming your boat at that distant star <laughs> yeah. of, of, of yes. self-satisfaction and creativity. If you've got this gnawing thing of going, but I remember that the rules when I grew up, I, oh my God, am I going to do this? And when that happens, you need beacons like Ivor Cutler. And it's a feeling of there is an escape route. And yeah. someone has hacked their way through the, the yeah. jungle before before you and gone, I didn't fit in either. It's incredibly useful to have a Spike Milligan, to have yeah, yeah. Uh, Vic and Bob, to have people who just went, just, I did what I liked. Yeah, these guiding lights. And uh, particularly back when we were starting, uh, I think as well, because there weren't, there weren't, there weren't as many roots in, and, and, yeah. and now there mm. you can. There's a number of you know no comedy clubs, and we were growing up anywhere that you could possibly, you know, get involved with. You can film yourself and download mm. onto YouTube. You couldn't do podcast. You, you know, yeah. you couldn't just now. You can. There's a lot of gateways in. Um, back then, it was there was the people on television, and you know, and that's that's not going to happen. There's well, there more was, coming wise and there, Monty there, Python. And there how was, there was the older generation who'd come through clubs yeah. and, and clubs. Yeah, there think, was those clubs. Yeah, but our, they were different clubs, or they wheel tappers and shunters and all that. Kind yeah. of and stuff, that yeah. But have you done the Glasgow Empire? Have you been bottled off? And yeah. I, think, I don't want to do that. That's right. But I think for yeah. you and me, it was definitely, we looked at it and went, how do you get into this? And we went, well, you have to be at Cambridge. Yeah. You have yeah. to be in footlights. We, you get books, Roger Wilmot's from Fringe Flying Circus. And you went, oh, well, this appears to be the employment method. You know someone, yeah. you impress Graham Garden. And then, <laughs> yeah. then he, and there was literally a suits and ties yeah. promotion system by which you... Yeah. But it started off with you having to be very, very clever and doing very well on exams. Yes. And I remember being terrified <laughs> about doing bad in exams, not because I wouldn't get a job, because I wouldn't be allowed to work in comedy. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't get and, yeah. and you didn't go to university in the end, and I was barred from... Applying for Oxbridge by a teacher who went, you won't like it. Um, <laughs> very good advice. But yeah. there was that feeling of going, there's a one way in. There's one way in, yeah. And it's yeah. by doing some yeah. stuff where you get to meet Griffith. And for us, it was it was the Fringe, of course. That yeah. was the only way in. And I don't think we necessarily started doing the Fringe expecting it to become a career. It was just something we did in the summer holidays 
for fun. You just wrote and put on a show, the six of you, was it? Yeah, it w- to start with, it was about eight of us. It was actually set up by two guys called Martin Hall and Dave Robertson, who only wanted to do it once. They just wanted one time to do a show at the, wow. at the Edinburgh Fringe. Huh. So they then enlisted Murray and Gordon and Pete and somebody else. It's- Pete and Murray asked me, and then the the guys who set the group up then didn't want to do it the same year. They had fulfilled their mission. Um, but we wanted to carry on, and then we just began shedding people as we went, and by the third or fourth year we were doing it, it was just the four of us, um, me, Pete, Murray, and Gordon, and we just kept going at it. And suddenly, but we were, it's interesting because we were so, because we were from Edinburgh, and it was the Edinburgh Festival, we actually lucked out, and we never had that whole, oh, oh my God, playing to three people, because we basically just sold oh, out. Right. So because we got a massive article before our first gig in the Scotsman, going local homegrown group to take on Oxbridge. Because it was only, it was the Ah. Oxford and Cambridge Review and Bristol probably had a review. Yeah, and that was, so so we were positioned as the homegrown people who would would, um, go and see, go and support your local team. Wow. And how did, how did Mulwainer and John Sparks come in? We were called the Bodgers when we did the festival, the Fringe. <laughs> uh, we did a, one radio show produced by Alan Nixon, and we were deluged with um, letters with, you know, Colonel <laughs> so-and-so going, I, I quite enjoyed it, but how many are, how many are there of them? There appear to be, they all sound the same, and, and I'm a bit confused. There seem to be... Um, and so Alan thought, well, let's get different non-Scottish voices in. But right. let's keep it Celtic. And we'd got to know Morwenna in the meantime. And also we had met John a few times on the circuit. You know, we'd do jongleurs together. Yeah. And we'd always loved John's stuff. You know, he was like, again, he sort of felt like a professional. Um, and just thought he was so good, you know. And Morwenna felt like a professional as well. And actually, I don't think I've ever got over that, that actually we were a bunch of schoolmates. And schoolmates don't get a television show yeah. together. But we did. But somehow, in my mind, John and... Marwena legitimized it in a way because they were. Have they done Tony? Had he done Shadwell by then? Shadwell, yes, he had yeah. done a naked, naked video. Naked video was video. that where Shadwell yeah. was yeah. first, yeah. or was That's it right. Laugh? I nearly paid it. I think it was Naked Video. But no, he had been on television. So again, he was a professional. We'd written for television, but I don't think we'd been on it. So Alan put us together. You um, wrote for Mel and Griff, didn't you? We wrote for Mel and Griff for a while, yeah, and Spitting Image for years and all that kind of stuff. In the days when there was lots and lots of sketch shows in the 80s, so yeah. you could make a, you could write for four or five a week, really. Rory Bremner and people like that, and Vic and Bob, and Max Headroom, if you remember. Yes. But, um, but you write for Max Yeah, yeah. Max <laughs> Headroom, I know. <laughs> I know. Now That's I'm jealous. Right. Yeah, I know, crazy. I used to love him. You know, it just it occurred to me that the first episode, the episode title of... Episode one of Mr. Don and Mr. George, yep. you can run, but you can't hide your legs. Yes. It's a very Ivor Cutler There's a very Ivor Cutler it? line. Yeah, yeah. completely. God. Yeah, the thought is going along nicely. Oh, bang, there. Yeah. We've tripped up on that last yeah. word. We've had so many people who brought on stuff that just said, the lesson you learn from it is be careful. Yeah. Because he chooses his words really carefully. Yeah. You can't, if you've been influenced by Ivor Cutler, choose your words carefully. I love... Yeah. Completely. Where he puts weight on words. Yeah, and to skewer those and just to get exactly the right words. And in the writing novels that I love, it's the same thing where you get... I used to, I was obsessed with Nabokov for years when I was younger. And again, because he would just come in with... One of my favourite little passages was a, a woman in Laughter in the Dark. A woman's child dies and she's been crying. She's been crying so much that she's cried all summer and she gives this image of... She's shed enough tears. And you think, OK, where's this going? Shedding enough tears to fill... And her memory is this big... Bath that they used to take to the to the to the beach, and they would all play in this large bath. She shed enough tears to fill that bath and wash a struggling giant. Whoa! And you kind of go, a wow. good writer will get. Well, I've cried enough to fill a bath. A very good writer will get to to wash a giant, but to wash a struggling giant. <laughs> you know, it's the struggling that makes that and again, just go perfect. You're you know? invited to finish the thing to yeah. find find the admiral or the sailor. Yeah, in that. yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's there's no point coming up. With an image, I mean, it's why people say rail against uh, cliche. Yeah. Because when you say a cliche, you don't think about what it means. When you when you say uh, he was struck by the thought, you have no thoughts about that. But <laughs> yeah. to wash a struggling giant, I've got splashing, I've got yeah, big bath. Yeah, exactly. There's so much in there yeah. that I have to unpack, and then I'm doing the joke. I'm building the yeah, set. You're building I'm casting the set, you're it. Doing the whole thing. Yeah. You're invited to join yeah. in. And and behind that, there's the there's the emotion of yeah, she cried a lot. 
that's a Which tremendous. Which we've forgotten that bit where yeah, it started. Yeah, yeah it was a, it was woman a tremendous crying. amount of crying. What's yeah. the one in Nabokov about the uh, my mother died in a in a freak accident and then it's brackets yes. picnic comma picnic. like lightning yeah close brackets yeah that's yeah whole story that's yeah yeah but again this is this is do with with brevity and knowing that the the more the more white space you leave Mm. the more people come in and what you're inviting people to do and this is very overcutter is come in and play yeah here's where i'm playing making up stuff do you want to come and join me here and we're going to play together and there's so much space in his stuff because it's so short there's 40 songs on an album um then they're not over long it's not density it's it's depth and space and width and breadth it's a great way of putting it yeah join me yeah, yeah. <laughs> really be silly. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes sad, and then sometimes shocked, and then sometimes oh, what's going on there as well? Which I think is very important, especially if you are trying to break away from a respectable family. Yeah, is the sense of going. I don't think this is low art because he's got sadness in it and melancholy. And he's yeah. taking he's taking his silliness very seriously. Yeah, and you go, well, he appears to be on stage at the Royal Festival Hall. <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's a sense of going, if he, if you were just silly, I mean, it's it's even in something like you say, Vic and Bob. Yeah. The fact that they're art school. Yeah. And he goes, this is Dardarist. Or the Bonzo. This is Dardarism. Yeah, yeah. Mm. This is absurdism. There is a line to uh, Ivor Cutler from N.F. Simpson and the absurdist yeah. playwrights. Yeah. He's from that rebellion of the 50s where you went, nonsense is a reasonable response to the man yeah. to the world. This is definitely, it's popular art, but it's definitely yeah, yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. If you copied him, you wouldn't be aiming low. Completely. Which I suppose is the inspiration you want to get from anyone. Yeah. Who, you, who hits you at the right age. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just before, before we, we sort of wrap up, let, let's have some Ivor Cutler and let's have it read in a ludicrous voice of your choosing. <laughs> Please, right. Jack Doherty. I look forward. Take it away. Uh, this is Once Upon a Time. Uh, once upon a time, there were five hundred naked men who had a religion called Love God. One day, they decided to show God that they loved Him by making a loud kissing sound. They would arise simultaneously from their black polyvinyl couches at a prearranged signal. <laughs> this was made by an atheist slamming his fist into a plank of eight by one deal. He did it. So they rose simultaneously making a loud kissing sound. God heard it. It brought him to his feet, surprised but pleased. As a reward, he made them parthenogenic, but they were so embarrassed that nothing ever came of it. <laughs> there you go, Ivor Cutler. That's the whole of religion dealt with. That is, isn't it? Yeah. It's as reasonable as any other religion to do that. <laughs> well, we're done. We'll send that to the Pope, and it'll all be over by. Excellent. Marvellous. Thank you for your time and a brilliant yeah. suggestion. Thanks, Not at all. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Damn, the battery's gone. Thank you.